Hey, everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, we are talking about being resilient. You know, there's a lot of stuff going out there, tearing our family apart, the fears of the world. We're talking about a few principles that can help you and your family become more resilient together. We're also going to give you some tools as well, talking to an expert right after the news in Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The remaining Boston Marathon bombing suspect has been officially charged with using a weapon of mass destruction and could face the death penalty. He will be tried in a civilian court as he is a U.S. citizen. Canadian authorities foiled a terror plot to blow up a rail line between Toronto and New York City. Media outlets in Canada are reporting two men have been arrested after raids in Montreal and Toronto. A new public health initiative in New York is considering upping the legal age to purchase cigarettes from 18 to 21. Opponents say legal adults should be able to decide for themselves if they want to smoke. A suburban elementary school in Utah was evacuated today while authorities detonated a suspected explosive device on the roof of the school. Maintenance workers originally discovered the device. The only school not damaged in the Texas town still reeling from a massive fertilizer plant explosion reopened for classes today. Some residents are beginning to express frustration about still not being allowed to return to their damaged homes. In world news, Taliban insurgents have taken nine foreign nationals and a helicopter pilot hostage after the chopper made an emergency landing in eastern Afghanistan. The aircraft was carrying food and supplies to Kabul. While China continues to try and recover from a massive earthquake, a new outbreak of avian flu has officials desperately trying to contain the deadly disease. Twenty people have succumbed to the disease this time around, and over 100 cases have been confirmed. Dutch police have stopped a possible school shooting after the would-be killer posted his intentions on an Internet message board. Authorities closed over 20 schools before the suspect was arrested to make sure students and teachers stayed safe. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives. Welcome to the program, everybody, and we've got a good show for you today. It's going to be a good one. As I look at Sky Boy just bobbing his head to our great intro music, you know what, Sky? This is your show. This you is for you. said that a lot. You know why, though? Why? Because I thought your mom was going to be here. Did you really make this show for my mom? Yeah. You know what is the topic is? What's the topic? Being resilient. <laughs> she'll, she'll be here on uh, Wednesday. Well, what's our show topic? Can somebody find out what our show topic is on Wednesday? Yep. Okay, they're jumping onto that. That ought to take a while. <laughs> A lot of people just know it right at the top of their head, but we, well, ours have been, we've already archived our show. We already know what it's going to be. Rewiring your brain. Oh, it's rewiring your brain or your son's brain. Hey, that's good for Sky. That'll be great. Uh. Sky, I really thought of your mom because this, I mean, your mom is very resilient. Why do you say that? Well, she's, we're talking about life is hard, right? Yeah. Stuff happens. People, I mean, it's hard. Life's not supposed to be easy. You have all these kids. She sends them all over the place. Some are at BYU. Some are in Iowa. Some, where are the rest? 
That's it right now. Jay, <laughs> see? <laughs> and now, and then you leave. They leave you, and you've got to be a resilient family. That's what we're talking about. Okay. I thought you were going to like make a crack at me. No way. Because it's like, hard to raise You came me. in. I've never seen you happier. You really? came in. You, were, you like stood right by me. Yeah. Almost in my personal space. <laughs> and you said, hi, Matt. That was very nice. Thanks, Matt. You just kind of looked down, so I thought maybe I could give Did you I a look down? pick me up. Yeah. 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 No. no, you didn't really look down. I'm tired. I was trying to take a nap. Okay. I even came early. I was here early and just tried to get a power nap before the show. Yeah. I try to nap when I drive down here, but it's hard. It's hard to sleep and nap. Well, it's a lot easier now that they built that freeway wall. Yeah. That retaining (laughs) wall that just keeps me in the game. It's great. Belong. (laughs) Sad, but true. So we got a great show. We're talking about um, how really, how do you become a more resilient family? Because just think about it. It comes from last week in the news, pretty heavy news, right? The marathon bomb going off and just watching all of the the details of that. Then on the side, then you hear of the Texas explosion and seeing the details of the explosion. Then uh, the chase of the fugitives, the bombers, and getting that. I mean, it just kept going and going. And so anyway, life's going to keep happening. And I have a pretty good idea we're all going to be um, having more and more challenges in our life just because that's how life works. I don't know if you guys have read the book, The Book of Life, but apparently we're here to be tried and tested, right? You thought you had a job. That's what you were coming here for, huh, Skyboy? Yeah, that was kind of a shock when I no, found out. You're here to be tested. not a job. No, not it, and you're paid. We pay you, but the whole purpose of this is to test you one show at a time. Okay. You ready for today's test? I'm ready. You don't even know how to be ready because you don't even know what today's test is. I'm always ready. That's the funny thing. None of us know what tomorrow's test is going to be. So we need principles. We're going to be interviewing Dr. Patricia O'Gorman, who's going to give us some tools to make a more resilient family and a healthier family um, at that. So stick with us and just be thinking about your trials. There's somebody out there I know that uh, is probably suffering, just maybe found out that they... Uh, you know, some of the tests that they just ran on them. I have a friend that just had a physical done and a test, one little test. Um, their blood level, their uh, red blood levels are too low and their white blood levels are too low. Blood, yeah, blood levels, that sounds weird, are too low. And they don't know what it means. They don't know why. And they're testing her. And she's just a cute little 19-year-old girl. Big deal. She's scared. Could be leukemia, they said. Do you think that would throw you for a loop? And if it happens, you know, you got to do it. You got to deal with it. You can't just run from all these challenges. So we're going to talk about it. How do you build a, resili- a resilient family? If you have some insight on that, by the way, we'd love to hear from you. one eight five five chat byu one eight five five chat byu And uh, we just want to hear your stories, your ideas. What do you think is key to building a resilient family? A family that can stand the test of this life, this world, all these crazies that keep doing things that mess up your life. Uh, there is a guy, though, I want to highlight now. Um, from uh, He became a hero. He was a bystander in the Boston Marathon um, disaster there. And Carlos Arredondo is his name. Um, interesting man. You probably saw him. If you saw a picture of uh, a long-haired man with a beard, dark hair, pushing or running next to another man, the ashen-colored man. He was in every paper. He was on every newscast. There was a man in a wheelchair who literally had lost everything below his knee, 
and all all that was there was his bone. The man running right next to that man in the picture was a man named Carlos Arredondo. And Arredondo was on the opposite side of the street from where the explosions took place. But he's one of those guys that everyone saw running across to take care of people. And um, Arredondo has a really special story because to me he is the master of making it – of being resilient. He had a son a while ago uh, who was killed – in uh, Afghanistan, no, Iraq. His first son died in Iraq. And then the Marines come to tell him about his son dying. And what would you do as a parent? You find out your son's dying or dead. And um, he ended up trying to light himself on fire in the Marines' van. He was so distraught. So he had burns. Then when he was healing from his burns, his other son ended up committing suicide. So this Arredondo lost his son, the burns of, you know, from his self-inflicted burns there, and then he had another son commit suicide. And he happened to be at the site of the bombing, the marathon, um, because people were running, you know, for his son. People were actually running the race in behalf of his son. And he was there to be there to celebrate that, and that's why he was there, lo and behold— then the bomb goes off, and now he's a major player in another catastrophe. So, and then, by the way, he, not knowing how to do any of this, started putting tourniquets on people and tightening the tourniquets and running by people and saving people's lives and uh, tearing off sweater that he had found on the ground and making more tourniquets. So he ended up being a major hero. And here's the interesting thing. He now goes home. No one talks about it anymore. And now he gets to go deal with it. Hmm. Being resilient. How would you have handled being in the middle of that explosion? How would you handle the catastrophes? Think of your family. If you had lost a child with a gunman coming into your school, uh, as we had happen um, up in Connecticut, how would your family handle that? How do you get over that? How do you get over the tragic, you know? passing of somebody you love dearly? How do you get over the loss of a friend, a diagnosis? That's the topic of the show. Sounds a little heavy, but you know what? It's definitely needed because, again, it's not going away. We have got to get better at this. So that is the topic of the show. Again, we'd love to hear from you. one eight five five chat byu one eight five five chat byu Give us a call. We'll put you on the air. I want to hear from you. What do you think is the key? What are the principles to being a resilient family, to being able to make it through these challenges of life? Um, again, I don't think it's going to go away. And I do think there's power in being able to go through these things together as a family. So that's what we'll be talking about on the show today. one chat byu Now, anything else? Do we have any other stories, any other news we could share today? Robbie? Well, you uh, heard about the birthday card. Oh, That's that was not, neat. It wasn't even a birthday card. Maybe this is the key to resilience, though. So here's a boy. They the, the the heart to the right place. Anyway. This was cute. Uh, tell me about it. So a boy. Uh, well, I'm thinking it's some guy probably more about my age, somebody who uses the, the same website I found it on. It's. You, know, uh, you want to say the website? It's, it's Reddit. Reddit. It's somebody that uses Reddit. I nickname it Pinterest for guys, but it's. Uh, <laughs> That's I've the, never heard that. That's good though. <laughs> That's really good. I guess he was having some financial troubles. Anyway, he got a let his grandmother know that he was kind of hurting for money a little bit. Briefly mentioned it. It says briefly yeah. mentioned to Granny that I'm hey, Graham's a little stressed about money. 
Didn't hit her up. Didn't say, hey, Grammy, now you're loaded. So he gets an envelope. In the mail. Opens it up. There's a card. Th- thinking of you card in there. It says, she writes, handwritten, just as a small token of love between me and you. Like, literally, don't tell anyone. It's between you and me, me and you. And how much? Eight bucks. Yeah. Eight bucks. But he did say he's just a little stressed out about money, but now he's got eight bucks. Now, Granny might not understand inflation. No. But hey, or maybe this kid's really like six. We don't you can know get a those good details. meal with that eight bucks. Eight, eight bucks, yeah. you can you can do all right. You know, yeah. you yeah. can do all right for a meal or two. That's get like a, a golden subway corral. Meal. Okay, or subway. A subway that could take you pretty far. Yeah. You might even get chips with you that get one. The two cookies and a drink. Take it long. In and out. Wow. You you could buy enough food at In and Out. You couldn't finish it all. How did you guys get on the food thing? Well, if you're hard up for money and you have eight bucks, it's just kind of putting two. Should we just be together. celebrating Grandma's work? Yeah, I mean, that's this a, is... she bought him another meal. That's what I'm saying. He could mm-hmm. get another meal with that. What if he's got a family of six? That just creates ninety nine cent cheeseburgers, and dollar menu. one for each family member <laughs> plus tax. But you know what? Tell me that probably is right there. The key to resiliency is having someone to call, someone to tell, and then Grandma chips in on her. She's probably that was you know that was her. Fun man, right there. That's true. I mean, She's Granny may on be on income. Social Security, and so eight bucks is all she has. But um, you know, it's kind of a widow's mite thing. That's the modern day version say. of that. Oh, it's, no, 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 that's what I was thinking. You guys are quoting yeah. scripture. Yeah. Well, it's you know, it's this, the the important thing. I mean, that was neat <clears> with the comments on there. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of snarkiness about uh, oh, uh, Granny. Granny doesn't understand that it isn't 1957 anymore, <laughs> but. But the but the heart of what she did totally is I think fits That's, into resiliency. A bit. Well, and that might that just the heart of that probably mattered more than the at least he knows Grammy loves him, right? That's probably another. That's the key right there. Key to resiliency number one. Let's start listing them. Um, I, we really ought to have somebody write these down because I know they're going to come back to haunt me by the end of the show. Rule number one: Hey, you got to have people around you that care. People around you that care. Okay. Thank you. And thanks for caring enough to write it down. Actually, Merritt's writing it down. Um, I was looking at Merritt because I knew she would actually do it. And um, <laughs> I'm just getting credit for it. But it really is. <laughs> so we're going to make the list. Everything we need to have a more resilient family. Rule number one, we got to have people around us that truly care, offer whatever they can. There's another one. They offer what they, offer what they can. And um, I guess uh, another one is maybe to be more resilient, we need to be willing to ask for help when we need it. You know, people are going to need help. We've got to be willing to ask for the help when we need it. We want to hear from you. one eight five five chat byu What have you found is the key to creating a more resilient family? Give us a call. Give us your take on that. When we come back, we're going to be giving you some more tools, some more ideas, and bringing on the experts to help you become more resilient in handling the things of this world. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Could your shopping coupons play a video? Will your concert tickets play free music? Disposable paper USB drives could make it happen. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. A disposable USB thumb drive made out of paper will be hitting the market this year. Made with a tiny silicon chip about as big as a grain of rice and conductive ink, 
All the functions of a thumb drive can be laminated into three sheets of regular paper and added to mass-printed items like business cards, resumes, brochures, and pamphlets. To use the drive, you tear off a perforated strip from the original document, fold it twice, and insert it into your computer or other device. With a capacity of between 8 and 32 megabytes of data, there's room for music files, photos, documents, even a short video. The paper USB drive can also be read wirelessly by some smartphones, just putting the phone next to the chip. And while they're designed to be disposable, the drives can be reused several times and loaded with your own files using a special reader-writer unit. How about a greeting card that contains a slideshow of photos? Or concert tickets that include a bonus track from the artist? I wonder if it can store a short radio show. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. You know that feeling you get when you're listening to one of our shows here on BYU Radio? Like you know exactly who needs to hear this message, but there's no way they could tune in right now. Well, here's our solution. Check out our BYU Radio YouTube channel to find previous episodes of some of your favorite shows. Then, easy as that, you can share episodes of BYU Radio with anyone. And thanks for listening to us here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, kiddos, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about uh, resiliency. Building a more resilient family, a family that can stand the test of time, a family that's going to be able to make it through all these crazy turns that life's going to throw. And so we thought today a great way to kind of start the show off might be if we did a little quiz. And the quiz is kind of more, um, you might lack resiliency if you, is this how we're doing it, Merritt? Yes. You might lack resiliency if you have one of these traits that we're going to throw out. So we basically made a list of what people that are not resilient do or don't do. Okay. This is easy. Okay. Numero uno. Are you ready? I'm totally ready. Sure? Yes. Okay. Okay. Number one, you spend more time getting Botox than you do feeding your family and building skills. Ooh, okay. just like Matt. That's totally me. I mean, look at that forehead. Do you it's notice? An oh, look, I'm moving condition. it. I'm trying to move it. Nothing's happening. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> it's totally true, though. So you might be less resilient if you spend more time worrying about your looks, your appearance, than maybe spending time learning skills and habits of resiliency. I totally agree. I like that one. But you know, that one's kind of easy. Give us a harder one. A harder one? Okay. Well, unless resiliency is that you need the botulism virus. Because if you need the wait, botulism wait, virus wait. to build up an let's, immunity, let's get Let's get our resilient. science right. It's bacteria. Oh, is it bacteria? It's not virus. Yeah, okay. But it's the same thing. Pretty yeah. Much. Thanks, doc. You're welcome. Hey, there's one doctor wait, hold in on. the room. Hold on. You're the doctor. Thank you. Do I need to wear my jacket? My hey, Your I'm coat? a doctor jacket. It's a, it's a no. That's I'm not wearing the white coat. I'm talking about my jacket. I have a jacket that I got from my school. Um, that says doctor, it like a golfer jacket. Mm-hmm. I have a sweatshirt thing? too that says Doctor Matt on it. I'll start wearing that. Okay. <laughs> you guys, it's so hard. What's another sign? You might not have enough resiliency. Okay, you might not it. have resilience if you have a really bad day at work and then come home and take it all out on your family by yelling at them and getting mad at 
Isn't because like, the remote's gone or something. Yeah, you're not resilient. Isn't that the kick the dog syndrome? Yeah. Is that what, what did it is? the dog do to you? Yeah. But you know what? You would have a strong, resilient dog. That would, oh that would See, be a tough dog. that's the problem with having no, messed no, up no, people no, around no. you. you build... When you start talking about dogs, this is when I go, up. Oh, mm, oh no. sure. You don't care about people, but dogs, you just like, don't you go there. If, we're talking, if we're talking about having things out of whack. <laughs> I, I agree. We don't, you should never kick a dog. You shouldn't kick a person either. True. Very good point. Yeah. It's just dogs are near and dear to my heart. They're cute. And I guess people are too, but you know, dogs. Dogs are great. Hey, just, you know. Priority, I'd put people first. Yeah. Well, people shouldn't be a footnote. But, but dogs are but, right there. Like, dog, I mean, you can almost put them almost side by side. But when you think about it, like, in a college student's life, where right now I'm like, well, not going to get married anytime soon. Well, when I get back, yeah. you know, from my little excursion. excursion. Oh, that was weird. That you was totally weird. Thing. I felt it coming. Are you the same person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're just throwing our voices. Yep. But then it's like, okay, so, you know, I want to have someone there. Dog. Not you, well, boyfriend, you know, but a dog. If you want, before you go, Bryce can show you where to rent a dog. Oh, true. I can. I know the you place. Can rent by the way, a puppy. I, can I? Do you want to bet? I honestly believe having an animal might help you be more resilient oh, emotionally because yeah. it helps you cope. You know what I mean? Animals help you. There's cope. someone there who doesn't who, who doesn't do the whole like, oh, you had another bad yeah. day. Why don't you just get yeah. over it? They're more yeah. thrilled that you came home today. Well, yeah. and you know, dogs don't talk. They don't. So they probably wouldn't say anything like that. They wouldn't. You know, actually, you That's say the dogs part. don't talk, but, like, I swear, my dog makes these weird noises. Our family jokes that he's our fifth child. Yeah, but, you know, he doesn't talk. Okay, that's true. But I'm just trying to make a point. <laughs> they don't talk. Right? Okay, you... yes. Yes, yes. Because if your dogs talk... Whole different set of problems. I'm going to let you borrow my <laughs> video camera. That's cool, though. They actually do have those videos of, like, dogs that, like, make Oh, yeah, that sound like, that oh, sound no. Like I saw this really cool video on YouTube. Some of you guys might have seen it because I think um, we got that email. There's a dog that has perfect pitch. Yes. And oh. the, the owner, like, plays a note, and the it dog can it. just match it on a piano, like a piano for a dog. That's but. cute. My, my mom would play, and my dog would run to the side and howl. <laughs> it's cute. It's a little different, though. But still, still cute. Well, why is yours better than mine? It's not my dog, first of all. Yeah, well, mine was. But it was matching pitch. <laughs> well, mine was matching emotions. <laughs> the emotions Terror and the... confusion. Okay. <laughs> the piano. <laughs> Got another one there for us, Merritt? I do. Okay. You might not be resilient if you one little thing goes bad and all of a sudden you're going to be broke. You're never going to succeed in life. In other words, you catastrophize everything. Skyboy. Totally. What? Is that a word? Catastrophize. No. It is now. Okay, all right. I was like, yeah, oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's no. We were just talking about you. Okay. Um. So th- thanks. Exactly. So if you all of a sudden <laughs> are a doomsayer, and all of a sudden you think everything's over, and you just throw in the towel, then yeah, you're probably not resilient. We're gonna have to listen to our expert today. Is that you, Skyboy? It's just like me. That's not you. I kind of get that vibe sometimes, you yeah. know, about how you're talking about how you failed all your finals. Yeah. Fail, I fail everything. Yep. Yeah. Just everything at life. Just throwing the towel. That's why you're not doing medical school anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, Skyler is great. Skyler. <laughs> there you go. What was I saying? He's a smart <laughs> we kid. We lost him. Okay, we're going to Sky today. Let's we're just end the show you. now. We're going to teach you to be resilient. <laughs> just fight through this, bud. Come on. <laughs> P- play with your cape. Make Make your cape look like it's wind's blowing it. <laughs> What else you got for us, Merritt? More tests. Okay, ready? You might not be resilient if instead of fixing a problem you have with another person, you instead blame it on them and then use it to manipulate them. That is family right there. I was going to say most of the people that I've lived with in college, there's just something goes wrong and they're just... 
the professor. Yeah, it's yeah. everyone else's fault. Right? No, it's 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 everyone else's fault. Even though you're just not good at college, that's why. <laughs> that's what it is. That's it. You're right. You're right. I mean, it could have been you, or it could be everyone else. Even though it's been pretty I much mean, the let's, common. Let's let's break it down. We have thirty problems. What is constant? You. You. So. <laughs> If there was something else, and I'd be like, well, "Yeah, sure, it might be not you, but parents, it's you." His their parent, his parents were constantly the cause of him. They were, well, okay, then that goes way too far, and then we lose blaming it on the person. So let's not yeah. go down there. <laughs> one <laughs> key then blame. we have to be able to accept responsibility. I think we're going to get into that. That's a big one. You got to own it to be able to get over it, right? Okay, cool. What else? Merit. Okay, you might not be resilient if. You never see your family. Weird. Wait, hold on. Yeah. I take umbrage with this. Yeah, because that's actually made you more. I guess it depends on your family. But maybe so. We're saying what there? We're saying if Wait, you're. I was I was in know, on this meeting. Well, we're, when talking we were talking about, about a resilient this. family. Okay. It's so say, to say you all get home okay. home at night, and you all instead of having dinner together or maybe chatting and seeing how yeah. the day goes, you all go to your bedrooms, put in your headphones, and you're yeah for the night. I think that's. I think we're setting ourselves up for a perfect storm. We have all of these families that are together, but they're not necessarily together because they don't know how to communicate and they don't talk and they... There's a difference between being together and being next to each That's other. Right. <laughs> so this is it's probably... True. This is more. We've got to be present with each other. I mean, like they have this huge thing with like the hamburger helper like ads. So they're like, family dinners. You need to sit and talk with everyone. Yeah. I mean, they're not coming up with that stuff. I mean, sure, great ad campaign. They're but trying to sell stuff. It's true. <laughs> Plus, it, I mean, the research shows you got to be together. You got to hang out to know each other, to communicate, to understand, to solve, to be resilient. Grandma, what if that boy had never called grandma? He would be eight dollars short. He would be eight dollars short. Or if he had called her more, maybe he'd be fifty bucks up. Hey, <laughs> who knows? Merritt, you got another one? <laughs> I do. Okay, you might not be resilient if you never let your kids see any problems. If you shield them from everything. Uh huh. Yes, I call that unicorns and butterflies. Unicorns <laughs> and butterflies. There's, you know, other than in South Korea, is it? It was, it was oh, yeah. North Korea. It was North Korea where oh, they found. That's right. It's the communist. Well, they hold on. Found the lair. Aren't they like the same Korea or was it right Korea? What is the phrase? I I don't know. I'm not getting any oh, support here. Yeah. Like best know. Korea? Is that what it was? They yeah. called it anyway. I don't know. Well, the obviously the best Korea would be the one that has the unicorn lair, right? So guess it is North Korea. It's North Korea. Also, the ones that sell, you know, like your self saunas that you hook oh, yeah. up to the shower so you can get your little sauna in there. Mm-hmm. Self sauna. We talked yep. about it on the show before. Mm-hmm. We did. Remember, Skyboy took it home. Oh, yeah. Blanched <laughs> and blanched his skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's good. Okay. So, yeah, you got to have struggles. In fact, I'm going to give you a quote by the end of the show if Merritt will remind me from our very own Mother Teresa. That woman, she's got her act together. And she talks about, hey, you got to have trials. You got to. Nobody gets out alive. Nobody. Okay, Merritt, you got another one for us? I do have another one. Hmm. Okay. You might not be resilient if you always pretend you are happy even when you are not. Yeah, I've got that problem. Like there's faking it to make it, which works for very short-term problems. But yeah, but for like actual like serious problems, smile all day long. It's not going to fix the problem. You can't fake your way out of this. Yeah. That's pretty heavy. It's like almost as heavy as that no one makes it out alive joke. Yeah, that's not not a joke. That's real. (laughs) I guess when you think about it, it's true. Like at first when I heard that, they were like, yeah, life. No one makes it alive. But I was like, what? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. 
See, guess so. I think I think it's okay to fake it. It's fine to fake it. But I think if you're going to fake it, you got to fake it to the end. You need to know when to get help. You do, well, but you do. See, that's the problem. But if you're going to fake it, and that's fine if you want to do that, you just have to make sure you're buried with your eyes open and a big smile on your face. That would be terrifying. <laughs> Tell me. But you know Let's what? not do that ever. No, but then don't fake it. Because you know what? You look bad. You're dead. Yeah. But you're smiling. And I want my hands out like I'm pointing to him. Like that with my like, thumbs up a gun. Thumbs up. That's firing the guns. Yeah. Okay. Oh you can't fake your way to resilient families. That's what we're talking about on the show. We're going to come back with an expert. Dr. Patricia O'Gorman will be joining us, and she's going to give us the real principles, the keys to building a more resilient family. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. On The Julie Hanks Show, you can get advice on relationships, life balance, emotional health, and a whole lot more. And the best part is you get to help pick the topics. You can talk to Julie during the show by calling 855-CHAT-BYU or email Julie anytime, julie at juliehanks.com. So send us your question and catch the show Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Use of a weapon of mass destruction is the charge against the 19-year-old Boston Marathon bombing suspect. He has been assigned three public defenders before his trial in a civilian court. A terrorist plot to derail a passenger train was uncovered by Canadian authorities earlier today. Officials suspect it was an Al-Qaeda-supported effort. The legal age to purchase cigarettes may be bumped up to 21 in New York City. The proposed bill aims to decrease the amount of smoking in the age group, picking up the habit most frequently. A suburban elementary school in Utah was evacuated today while authorities detonated a suspicious explosive device on the roof of the school. Maintenance workers originally discovered the device. The only school not damaged in the Texas town still reeling after a massive fertilizer plant explosion reopened for classes today. Some residents are beginning to express frustration about still not being allowed to return to their damaged homes. In world news, nine foreign nationals and a helicopter pilot were taken captive by Taliban insurgents while carrying food and supplies to Kabul. The Taliban claim they forced the helicopter to make an emergency landing. While China continues to try and recover from a massive earthquake, a new outbreak of avian flu has officials desperately trying to contain the deadly disease. Twenty people have succumbed so far this time around, and over 100 cases have been confirmed. Dutch police have stopped a possible school shooting after the would-be killer posted his intentions on an Internet message board. Authorities closed over 20 schools before the suspect was arrested to make sure students and teachers stayed safe. That's the news to have past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here giving you some tools, a leg up on creating a more resilient life. I don't know if you've been listening to the news lately. It seems like it's getting more and more complicated. So we want to give you the good in the world and teach you how to create a more resilient family, a more resilient, uh, teach your children resiliency. 
And so we thought, who better to interview than Dr. Patricia O'Gorman? She's a Ph.D. from New York uh, State. She's in a, an internationally recognized psychologist, coach, and public speaker. She was one of the first researchers in children of alcoholics in the early 1970s, documenting the impact of alcoholism and sobriety on adolescent development. And since then, she's she's been a major player in that world. She created the Department of Prevention and Education for the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence and has a huge list of other services. She was a clinical director of Child Welfare Agency, an executive director of an agency, serving mostly female survivors of crime and abuse. She's been on Good Morning America, The Today Show. She's done it all, including authoring, numer- authoring numerous articles and magazines. Dr. Patricia O'Gorman, thank you for joining us on the show today. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Thank I mean, you. Really, and you you have so much critical experience in helping people do this that I was I was very excited uh, just to hear hear your approach and, and how we do this. I mean, you know the news. You've heard about the bombings and then the explosion in Texas and the the shootings in Connecticut and and it just seems like we're hearing all of this negativity not to mention the fact that so many families are suffering their own personal tragedies their own personal losses or other problems with addictions like you've worked with help us understand first of all if we want to create resiliency what is resiliency when it comes well, to a family a relationship a psyche great great question um resiliency are those skills we develop when we're under stress, I mean, it's it's um, it's interesting. These are not skills that you know you can develop in a classroom. These are the skills you develop in the real life situations. These are the skills we develop under adversity, huh. and it's what gets us through. It's how we figure out ha- how to get through. Whether it's the accumulation of. Um, stressors during the day that we don't pay attention to because we're all taking care of business and right. not paying attention to ourselves, or whether they're the, the horrific things um, that occur that you just named um, several of. Um, this, is, this is what resiliency is all about, is how we respond, how we bounce back, how we become flexible within us, ourselves, so we can hold the pain that these awful events bring to the surface within mm. us, but also hold, if you will, in our other hand, the lessons that the awful pain teaches us. I and love it. the lessons that is the resilience. It, it's, it's the actual, so the resilience is really, uh, basically, it sounds like the lessons or the byproduct that comes from having been stressed and, yes. and, and hel- in yes. a healthy way worked through it. Right. In a healthy way, work through it. I, I have in my, my book, The Resilient Woman, um, several different styles of resiliency that, um, that women in particular um, develop, but they also speak to really the pattern of resilience. That we, There are certain patterns we all develop that are kind of like how we do this thing, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and it's also how we do resilience. Um, and we, so we all tend to kind of fall into certain ways we will approach a critical event or approach a series of low-level stressors, and, um, and that is our, our style or our pattern of resilience, if you will. Is the style or pattern, can, excuse me, Doctor, is the, is the style or pattern 
that we've kind of developed? Is it something we've learned by just going through this over and over and yeah. over? Or is it something like yeah. our, our approach to life? Our pro- I mean, like our optimists different than pessimists when it comes to resiliency? Or, well, I, you know. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't look at it that way because I think you can have people who uh, can be very optimistic in certain situations and very pessimistic sure. in others, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, it's, and what I have found is that people tend to use, they tend to segment their, segment their resiliency, particularly women tend to segment their resiliency and uh, will use it more comfortably in certain situations then they will use it in others. And right. how, we, how we learn resiliency is, you know, we're speaking about families, and, um, of course, our major teachers in our family are our parents. Right. yeah. So when, so when um, families come to me and they, um, there is a problem with their, you know, child, and they, uh, you know, sometimes parents want their children fixed, um, I will look to see what patterns are working within the family, because that's what the kid is using. Okay. That's what the kid is drawing on. Do they do the do the children learn only in their own problems where they need to become resilient, or can they learn watching their mother, for example, going through trials? Well, I think I think children. Um, if any, I'm a parent, and I don't know if you are, but yeah. I imagine many of people in your audience are, and you know that. Uh, the family is a lab, and our children are little scientists in the lab. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> They're taking in all the information. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yes, so they, of course, they will learn. Um, we see this in young children when children play, and they play house, and uh, they will play frequently the conflicts that they see right. in the family and um, <laughs> and the solutions they yeah. see in the family. Yeah, like when and they're the acting out the show cops. Right. I mean, I, it's true. And kids, I remember playing, you know, my parents divorced. And I remember, you know, if, ironically, I became a divorce mediator. I mean, in a ah. weird subconscious way, <laughs> I, I worked my way up to fixing their problem. And now as an nice. adult, I can't get them in the same room. They've been divorced for 30 years. So um, yeah, it's hard. A resilient response. What you're just sharing is a resilient response to a stressor, mm-hmm. which is, you know, how do I deal with this? Well, I can deal with this by becoming an expert in it, right. and that is a very positive way of of dealing um, with our, our, you know, the the awful things that happen in our life. We we need to make sense of it. In fact, that's the first step in my book on for women is to really um, to really take the lessons that um, they that are they're being hit over the head with, and to make their crisis meaningful. Um, because our children learn what we learn. Yeah. Um, they don't learn what we say. <laughs> yeah. They learn what we learn. <laughs> so the first step you're kind of saying then is we we almost have to just be more um, conscious of our trials. We have to we have to like bring them to the surface and and put them out yes. there as real. Right, as opposed to doing what we are all prone to do, which is stuffing them. Yeah. We, you know, we stuff our stress and we stuff our problems and then we worry, we wonder, how, why am I overeating or why am I drinking so much or why am I exercising or why can't I leave the office and go home mm-hmm. to my two sets of twins? You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? And we just because hide, we, don't we? We do, we do. And resilience are the strengths that we develop when we stop hiding. I love that. I mean, and it's the funny thing is, is it's subtly beating us down anyway, and it's sapping our life and our energy. And 
And so you're saying you really can't grow to be. So you're saying trials are inevitable. Resiliency is learned in those trials, which makes them valuable. Like so a trial's valuable if you can become resilient from it. It's additive. It's beneficial. It's generative. Yes, and and you know, and not that any of us wish to go through the hardships no. we go through. No. You know, and I'm not saying ah, don't worry yeah. about Be it. Happy. You yeah. know, no. what doesn't kill them makes them stronger. No, but it is in those moments that we do develop coping skills, mm-hmm. and um, and including when we deal with horrific tragedies. At times, our resiliency is overwhelmed, and we can't access it. Yeah. I mean, there are times, like some of the, you know, we saw, we've all seen that video from Boston right. where some of the people ran towards the explosion, other people ran away, and some just froze. Right, and just stuck. There are yep. times we're overwhelmed, we, we, we can't function, and that doesn't mean we're not resilient, it just means in that moment, for that period of time, we don't have access to our resilience. Yeah, I love that too because um, you don't want to judge that. Every, everyone was just doing what their method. You know, some method, I guess, was just get into it. Some was get away from it, and some was just shut down and not know. Everyone's got their way, and eventually, right. there's there's something that there's something that can come out of it. I mean, or you can turn it. You can turn this into something like resiliency. So con- becoming conscious yep. of our tra- trials is is your first step. Then what do right. we do? So so what else do we do to become truly resilient in the midst of all the trials? Well, I think for women, I think this is a the second step I have in my book for women is is different than men. And for women, I say they need to turn up their resilient voice hmm. because um Women have a tendency to quiet that part of them that is strong right. because it's not quite culturally acceptable. Where guys, I mean, you yeah. guys, I, I have twin boys, by the way. Yeah. You guys have other struggles. You don't have that one. <laughs> yeah, right. No, we, we know, just kind so, of automatically go with our voice, it seems like. like that's it's, right. It's you inherent. Do. You do. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and in that way, women can look to their male counterparts and kind of see that demonstrated. But for women, they need to turn up that voice within us, within us yeah. um, so we can listen to it. And sometimes that voice may be saying things that will complicate our life or make things much more messy than we'd like them to be, but it's, it's our truth, if you will, as compared to what is just what is expected. And, um, Love that. And I, yeah, and I, I call that for women, you know, when we follow what is expected, our girly thoughts, which... Mm. Um, are the way women are have been programmed to kind of take in all these messages from society and uh you know and uh we're all supposed to be you know the size two yeah. five ten digitally yeah. enhanced model that even the model doesn't look like herself right so. yeah and and then and, and none of us look right we don't exactly feel that way, you know yeah it's interesting <laughs> about guys, the voice I don't have that as much you no know, I think you're right good. No, I, I and I and I feel I feel that totally resonates. Um, I had a a young woman in my office today that, in many many regards, just is done with a relationship, but almost feels like she shouldn't be. You know, like she yeah. owes something to this person. Um, oh dear. <laughs> and but what's interesting is when you say turn up your voice. She she knows. So her her homework assignment was just to go decide what her inner voice was telling her. And she just looked at me and she's like, well, I think I already know what that's going to be. And I'm like, okay, well, great. Let's go turn it up this week. This week, let's just turn it up. 
And um, yeah. but I mean, it's uh, I want to do this. Let's come back, Dr. Gorman. I want you to explain a little bit more about the voice. And then I want, I mean, because what I think, like men, it seems like, would might jump right into solving it, trying to fix it, moving to solutions kind yes. of stuff. Yes. So let's come back and talk a little bit about that. We're talking again with Dr. O'Gorman, Patricia O'Gorman from um, New York, and she's fixing, or not fixing, she's guiding us to a path of resiliency, how to take your trials, your adversity, and turn it into some true lasting resiliency. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. For fans of old vinyl records, there's a new trend in computing that's similarly retro. The return of analog computing. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Spend some time around audiophile music fans, and invariably, they'll bombard you with reasons why their vinyl records and tube-powered amps make music sound better than compact discs and digital audiophiles. Their main argument is that the process of digitizing sound takes a smooth analog curve and breaks it into discrete stair steps, represented in ones and zeros. No matter how tiny and numerous you make those digital stair steps, it's still not as smooth and warm-sounding as the original analog curve. Now, NASA Goddard Space Flight Center and DARPA are working together on analog computer components that may seem like a step backwards from digital devices. But analog computing doesn't just process a 1 or a 0. It can process all the values in between that 1 and that 0, expressed as a probability. And what analog circuits can do is process a lot of inputs in parallel instead of one at a time. And they do it using less power and many fewer transistors than digital. Just the thing for driving precision mirror optics and compressing audio and video more efficiently, but with greater fidelity. Turn it up. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Listen to BYU Radio to color your world. Matt Townsend is the guide on the side, helping you better connect with people and the world around you. You could say he's a relationship guru. Matt discusses things like getting over grudges, bettering self, overcoming problems, and discussing what it is to be. Listen to the Matt Townsend Show weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. Another great BYU radio program to color your world. On Sirius XM Channel 143, BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. We are on the phone right now with Dr. Patricia O'Gorman. And uh, she's an internationally recognized psychologist, coach, public speaker. She's the author of a book, The Resilient Woman. And what she's trying to teach us is about how to create resiliency. Resiliency, kind of by definition so far, Dr. Gorman, let me make sure I got it right. Resiliency is basically the byproduct, the result the healthy result of effectively dealing with our challenges. You got it. <laughs> See that? That's because I've been taking notes. <laughs> I've been you take t- good notes. I take really good notes. And we don't, so, and it's not, but it's something that we can't just always hand our kids. You can't just hand your kids resiliency, but you can hand them learning opportunities. You can hand them experiences. You can talk to them about your challenges and your trials so they kind of have a reservoir of ideas to use. Is that what you're saying? 
Yes, and also to demonstrate it. I mean, Modeling, because our yeah. children, yeah, and that's probably the most profound model because our children witness how we deal with stress. And if we if we deal with stress by shutting down emotionally and no one can talk to us, if we you know deal with stress by you know drinking a six pack in yeah. front of the TV, if we deal with stress by holding a family meeting mm-hmm. and um, saying um, I you know I want to explain you know just a little what's going on, so therefore you guys will know and you won't be thinking it's something you've done. That's I love a different that model too. You yeah. know. Well, context so for these kids. Yeah. Yeah. They need, and, and otherwise we're sitting there and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you, I mean, you know, mom and dad have been fighting, you know, something's been right. going on. And then I don't know, a year later you have the little meeting. Yeah. We're right. mom and dad are divorcing, but you right. hadn't seen anything going on in between. It, yeah. No, it's except huge. for the fighting and for, for children, the fighting in a divorce, the fighting is the worst, the worst thing. Um, yeah. That's the most painful thing for children. Why? Because there are no solutions. There's right. just conflict. No matter how terrible something is, if there is a solution, it really does help our children. Right. Like, like if there really is a way to communicate other than fighting, they need to know that. Yes. That's what you're saying. They or do. if there is a way to yeah. deal with an addiction other than just drinking... Or stress and anxiety other than just drinking. They need to know that there's other options, other ideas. Absolutely. Love and, that. and they learn that by watching what their parents do, mm-hmm. not just what their parents say or what, what their aunts and uncles do or what, you know, other important people in their life do. Um, there are these little sponges that uh-huh. are just picking it all up. Well, and I love too in your in some of your uh, this, the setup work that they gave me about what you do. You you so you're kind of you want us to make conscious some of the things that we might do and just suppress. Like notice that you are in a trial. A B notice what some of the solutions that you use. I mean, because if yeah. you you said earlier, like if I if I keep falling back to cheesecake. You didn't say cheesecake. Mm-hmm. You said food. But if somebody keeps falling back to something as a solution to their trial, you have to notice that. Or I guess, too, like you were saying, you can't fix something you don't notice. That's right. So we need, we need to make it conscious so we have control over it. Otherwise, we're just operating on an impulsive level. Mm-hmm. And um, for most people... Long term, that's not a good thing. No, no, that seems. That... <laughs> so we need to make it conscious. Like, what are we doing? How are we handling this? And um, and ask ourselves, is this how we ha- want to handle it? Ask ourselves, well, the last time I was in a mess like this, what did I do that worked? Uh huh. Exactly. Because <laughs> maybe there's some solution from the past that could be brought into the present, even if it hasn't been used in a while. That could be a really good thing to do. Well, and you're asking you're asking a question. So instead of asking kind of the self defeating question, that's like, "What did this do to me last time I couldn't do it?" <laughs> you right. ask, "What would it look like if it was fixed?" Or what what you what did I used to do that worked to take care of this problem? So you're kind of more appreciative in your questioning, right? And and um, there's always the tendency that all of us you know ask is why me. Mm-hmm. So. Um, since there is no answer to that question that we're going to get in this lifetime, at least, right. um, we, we need to move through, you know, past that and start figuring out, well, what are we going to do about it? Right. Or like, why me? Another one might be like just the judgment of it. Like, this isn't fair. Yeah. Like, 
and you're right. Yeah. No, not fair. And, yeah. Nope. That's right. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Okay. But that those are all such natural thoughts, aren't they? They are, and you know, and we come by them honestly. But they, you know, so we need to say, okay, that's where I am. But is that where I want to stay? Mm-hmm. No right. <laughs> Do I want to stay in this mess, saying, "Why me? This isn't fair." You know, that will work. The pity party will work for a little while. But ultimately, even that gets boring. Right. Well, and even, yeah, even for, even if that's the solution of choice that you use for your trials, you know, the pity party, the victim, and you just kind of fall into that. It, I mean, it, it'll work for a while, but like you're saying, eventually, you know, you're, there's always next year. And then there's next year. I mean, how long do we carry the story that we don't that's really right. like anymore? That's right. And especially, you know, you've talked about your expertise with people in divorce, and there really is a tendency, I find, for people who are going through a divorce or have been through a divorce to really get stuck in those questions. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I guess that's they, what... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, that's what I guess being conscious about the trial, I mean, and even being conscious about your thinking... Um, about the situation is is critical. I guess that's one of the benefits of therapy. Is that what you found dealing with children of alcoholics or dealing with women who were in, you know, kind of, you know, abusive situations? I find find therapy is very helpful, but I also, since I'm a psychologist who still takes insurance, um, (laughs) it's harder and harder to get therapy sessions, uh, you know, to, to qualify. Um, which is why I began um, writing books to help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, the Resilient Woman is my eighth book, um, and you know, writing books to help people get through the things that I know people can get through and to offer tools um, that are needed for these awful situations in life, um, called life, by the way. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and it gets, it yeah. gets so hard. When you think of... Um... It seems like it would be easy as a parent going through a trial or as a parent with a child going through a trial, it might be easy for me to just kind of think I'm going to help them by giving them everything they want, you know, setting them up and just being their little yes men. But apparently you think that's a bad idea. Well, and yes, it's a bad idea, and research shows it's a bad idea. In fact, one of the concerns I have... um, developmentally is we are creating a generation which really is not very comfortable using their resilience and our children have become luxury items mm. um, you know frequently families have one child yeah. um, when um, you know some of us were growing up or our parents were growing up there were big families they were needed to work the farm well People aren't farming anymore. Right. So children are, children are, are luxury items. And um, so there is this sense of um, you know, wonder and preciousness around the child, which is, is good. But we need to help our children develop. And yeah. we can't help them develop by just you know, giving them everything they want. We have to help them deal with really tough situations, which is what adolescence in particular is full of really torturous, awful situations. Yeah, braces. If we, yeah, if we just indulge them and, and they wind up going to college without skills oh. um, or few skills, right. I think that's why we're seeing some of the 
heavier alcohol and drug use in college right now because kids are there, they're overwhelmed, and they're defaulting to being numb. Um, and we can help our kids. I'm not saying we're going to prevent all usage, right. but we can help our kids um, in middle school, in um, high school, by helping them develop solutions, which means saying no. You know, I had I was double teamed by my twin sons. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, twins. Exactly that's almost not when fair. I was tired. Right. Yeah, they knew when I was tired, and one would come in, and then the other would come in, and um, <laughs> you know, and there are sometimes I did say yes because I was exhausted, and other times I thought, nope, can't go there. I'm going to be up for another three hours, and we so we went at it. Yeah. But you know what? They, you know, they're they're pretty good guys. They're young adults now, and they're they're pretty. Pretty good guys. Well, um, and now they know how to double team anything. Now they they could take they could take on a teacher, and they could both show up at different times and work them over. See, I my my stories. They do know how to assert themselves, and they know how to figure things out. Yeah, you know that's that's a skill to develop. Oh, absolutely. And they, I mean, and I I totally agree that I'm not sure our kids understand how to deal in the in the complex times because we've handed them so many. I just call them unicorn and butterfly days where there's just so yeah. much good. And yeah, like you're saying, we've kind of in a way we've idealized them to this level that they're more of a they're more of a commodity. They're almost more of like a yeah. like a an, a, a, an attach like I don't know, like a trophy than they are right. a human. Right. And and we need to challenge that. So therefore, they can really function in this increasingly complex world where even though they may have all the gadgets and all the toys, it all falls back on them about what it is they need, knowing themselves, knowing how to take care of themselves. And those are the lessons that parents can teach so that their resiliency really does get developed. Mm -hmm. And we don't push them out the door into college at 18 or into the military with underdeveloped resilience, because I'm seeing that. Oh, well, I mean... mean Really, think of just how the nature of this, and then I guess we'll take our break, but the nature of life, kind of when we used to live the law of the harvest, where you reap what you sow, you had to work on the farm. You had to get up early. You had to milk the goats before school. You had to get the egg, the goats, that's my neighbor. You had to milk the cows in the rest of the world. Uh, You had to milk stuff. Everything had to be taken care of. The eggs had to be brought in. You had to water everything, or we we don't survive. So there was always this tension that was just kind of natural in life, and it seems like, and I think we'll come back and, and let you teach us more about this, it seems like the tension is being relieved, not by life in a way, but just by us as parents. We're, we're, and just as we move on out of the agrarian world, I guess, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're not in the world anymore that's pushing back so hard until we have these major, I mean, it's always pushing back, but it's not, it's almost like we're buffering it from our kids. We are, and, you know, we've gone in one generation from the teacher being right to now the kid being right. Oh, yeah. And there's something oh, wrong with that. Totally. We're talking with Dr. Patricia O'Gorman, uh, author of a bunch of books, but one we're talking about is Resiliency and the Resilient Woman. We'll be back to uh, pick her brain a little bit more and gain more skills and tools in how to create more resilient people, more resilient families, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. 
Note by note, measure by measure, each and every song has to be created before it can become a masterpiece. BYU's record label, Tantera Records, has been there to capture the talent of some of the best performers both here on campus and around the world. Join industry veteran Ron Simpson for an intimate behind-the-scenes look at some of Tantera's best artists. Tune in weekly at 8 a.m. for the Tantera Hour here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A surviving Boston Marathon suspect will be tried in a civilian court since he is an American citizen. He has been charged with the use of a weapon of mass destruction. Two men have been arrested in connection to an attempted terrorist attack to derail a passenger train between New York and Toronto. Neither of them are Canadian citizens and may have had al-Qaeda assistance. The legal age to purchase cigarettes may be bumped up to 21 in New York City. The proposed bill aims to decrease the amount of smoking in the age group, picking up the habit most frequently. A suburban elementary school in Utah was evacuated today while authorities detonated a suspected explosive device on the roof of the school. Maintenance workers originally discovered the device. Barge shipping is at a standstill along the Illinois River and parts of the Mississippi due to severe flooding after a three-month period of low water levels. Eleven barges containing coal broke free of a fleeting area and sank. In world news, nine foreign nationals and a helicopter pilot have been taken captive by Taliban insurgents while carrying food and supplies to Kabul. The Taliban claim they forced the helicopter to make an emergency landing. Syrian opposition activists say as many as 500 people have been killed by forces loyal to the Syrian regime in almost a week-long offensive. Many of the casualties are reportedly civilian. Dutch police have arrested a former student of a British school in the Netherlands for threatening to shoot students and teachers on an Internet message board. The man was expelled from the school in 2011 in regard to his aggressive behavior. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side. And on today's program, we're teaching you and getting into... I guess it's like the the learned skill of resiliency, how to create resiliency out of your trials. It's not inherent, but it is a great opportunity inside of our our trials or our tensions or just the things that life brings you. There's much to learn. One of the great things to learn would be the healthy byproduct or the uh, healthy byproduct of these trials is resiliency. The ability to adapt and and to, to deal with it. We're talking with Dr. Patricia O'Gorman. The author of the book, The Resilient Woman, you got to check that out. Um, I'm assuming, Dr. Gorman, that that's at Amazon.com as well. Yes, it's at Amazon, uh, Barnes & Nobles, uh, your brick-and-mortar bookstore. It's out there, isn't um, it? It's, it's out there, yeah. <laughs> well, look at this. So here's a quote I found from Helen Keller. We could never learn to be brave and patient if there were only joy in the world. Yeah. not that great? Yeah. That is wonderful. But that's resiliency, really. Is it, Again, yeah. we could never learn resiliency if there wasn't right. well, anything negative going on in our lives. 
Well, we wouldn't need it. We would just be in a state of uh, utopian bliss. And um, as far as we know, that doesn't exist yeah. within our earthly being. Within our so, realm, huh? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so we need, we need resilience because we need, we need to get through and, um, and to enjoy and to teach um, you know, to our children, to our friends, uh, to be good examples of, of how to live a good life. And being consciously resilient is, I think, one of the keys to living a good, productive life. What, what would you say, then, is the opposite of resiliency? Well, for women, it's what I call these girly thoughts that kind of... Uh, chip away at our power, chip away at our self-esteem. The kind of weaken you um, that make you think you're less important, less than, irrelevant. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I call, I call girly thoughts anti-resilience, you know. Yeah, okay. Like kryptonite. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and it weakens you. But the problem for women is it's coming in through their TV screens, it's in their magazines, it's on their billboards. I had a, a woman in a radio show I did um, when I was in Nevada call in and she was a model, or she is a model. And she, she said, um, I think I know what your girly thoughts are. I'm a model, but every day I get up and I look in the mirror, and I feel so sad that I don't look like the real me. <laughs> the real me portrayed the, in print in, after in her the, pictures are di- doctored. Yeah, in the digitally enhanced print. I was thinking, oh, my God. Yeah. You know? We all, all women do that yeah. um, to different levels, and, um, and that's what she was doing. She said, is this my girl, I thought? I said, yes. Bing, there you go, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's just, and, so, so for women, being conscious of the, their inner kryptonite, their girl, I thought, mm-hmm. um, is a way of them being resilient because it then allows their personal power to come out as opposed to being drained right. in this pool of I'm never good enough. Yeah, and it so. seems like strength begets strength. So getting rid of the thought that saps your your strength is going to force you, I guess, to at least address it and maybe act on it, which would just make you really stronger, which is really what you are. Right. It's right. self-fulfilling, accept, isn't it? You know, yeah, well, it is. And, you know, um, you know, men have another whole thing, you know, about, you know, that men are supposed to be so strong to the point of having no emotions. Well, yeah. that's equally limiting. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know? and, and, and that's not being very resilient. That's being cut off. But, you yeah. know, we say, you know, we, we have all these superheroes and our superheroes are, um, you know, basically, uh, if they're a man, they're devoid of emotion and we we say that's attractive. I think that's terrible for men to have to, to have to be there, and yet that's what our society holds up for men. Isn't that so? So kind of the counterfeits become men being too strong, women being too weak, yes. and um, and then in between you can either pick addiction, escapism, or eclairs. Take your pick. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because so somebody I, at a party yesterday can... said that the eclairs are like their kryptonite. <laughs> Yeah, so I think we can, you know, men and women can both challenge these notions and really step into our strengths and teach our children how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we tell our children, say no. Well, it's hard for a kid to say no, it, and it's 
awful for a teenager to say no, but it's almost impossible if their parents aren't saying no. Right. <laughs> well, and how hard, how many times would a parent say, yeah, you, you guys need to be strong. You're, you you need to be stronger. And then you look at your parent and you're like, you be strong. You go do yeah, it. Well, yeah, well, some kids will actually say that to their parent, and yeah. many kids will just think it. Yeah. You know, but it's, you know, we, we, we produce the children of our actions. And um, when I see families in family therapy and they don't like the way their adolescent is acting, I often suggest that maybe the family do some self-searching about how it connects differently so that it connects to support what's best in the child, what's best in each other, as opposed to, I think, because we're all so tired, we dissolve down into this fault-finding, which is not about resilience. It's not about building strength or solutions. It is about just, like, chipping away and, you know, I've been beat on all day, so I'm going to come home and beat on you. And I yeah. don't mean that physically. But, yeah, just emotionally. Yeah. Does happen. yeah, yeah. That is one of your rules you lay out is try not to be a tired parent. Right. Try not to do that. And we all are tired at the end of the day. Yeah. In fact, um, um, but we need to when we make, which is why family meetings are so important, mm-hmm. because we can schedule meetings, family meetings when we're not exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> and um, during the family meeting, make the key decisions that need to be made when we have children. You know, how much... You know, are, you know, how many sports are they going out yeah. for this season? Or, um, you know, are they going to be allowed to go to that sleepover? And, you know, and what are the names and phone numbers of the other parents of the kids who are going so that they can be in touch with them? And um, even though that may be totally embarrassing to their teenager. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> but it, it, and I, but, I love it. We have ours, you know, and it's ours kind of just, it usually ends up deteriorating with one boy throwing a ball at another boy. And then it, uh-huh. it ends up into a game on. I have, by the way, you want to be have your mind blown, Doctor Gorman. I have six children. Oh, nice! Tell me about it. And um, that's great. <laughs> one daughter and five boys. And oh, Jesus. so I know if we throw one ball out, it's game on. And yeah. so, but the, the, uh, those family meetings are really huge to address yeah. issues and to address life and to address. You know, just our patterns with each other and what kind of manage our expectations of what should be happening. It's huge. Yeah. And they, but you know, those kind of, especially with so many children, you know, to be able to speak within a group of eight and get your point across mm-hmm. and um, negotiate that are some of the skills that we say um, our children will need in the workplace. Yeah. Learning to work with teams, learning to manage conflict, uh, learning to hear something you don't want to hear. And, be able to counter with your point of view. I mean, these are very important skills that really teach us how to use our strengths, and they begin in the home. I love it. And that's kind of that. So you kind of suggest using the family meal, the family meeting as yeah. a way to to kind of constantly be coaching your family. And then you're also, you also would just suggest it seems like other rules if you're in the middle of a real conflict or a crisis. Well, yes, um, I, I think one of, the, one of the rules that we forget is we need to set up what I call helpful boundaries. Mm-hmm. And when I was writing my book, the, my editor, who's wonderful, took that out and put in healthy boundaries. And I took it out and I said, no, helpful. And she put <laughs> in a sidebar, we, we have to talk about this. <laughs> um, and I, I think healthy has become a word 
that is so overused right. and people feel so bad because they're not healthy or they're not in a healthy relationship or whatever. And so what I have done is to say, okay, what we need to do is, you know, take it back a step or five and say, what is helpful to me? Helpful to me. Can I figure out what is helpful to me? And then can I figure out how to begin to ask for what's helpful to me? Mm -hmm. So in families, we need helpful boundaries that the parents have helpful boundaries because the parents need to have control of what's going on. Right. You know, yeah. and um, and if their boundaries are not helpful to them, all bets are off about what's going to happen. I love helpful as a word. I mean, because I've heard a yeah. million times healthy boundaries, too. And right. a healthy, it's kind of like that's more conceptual, but helpful actually means it produces a result. You know, you it, it. it seems you like, OK, it. we're going to have a result here versus, yeah, that's a nice, fluffy boundary. That's right. 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 Yes. Yes, Huge. exactly. <laughs> like it. Golly, you're good. You're just a good teacher. So, well, Doc, thank you. I've had a lot of experience. Yeah, I think you've been working it a long time, haven't you? Well, we have right. to kind of wrap it up a bit. But as we as we close, what I always like to know is what do you think really is the one thing? So if we had to take everything you know about resiliency, what you've learned you know, by teaching the children of alcoholics, by dealing with alcoholics, and in all the programs you've started by dealing with female survivors of crime and abuse, if you had to kind of wrap up resiliency and, and the ability to to enable that ability, um, what's the key? What's the like? What's the one thing that really goes a long, long way? And well, this is going to take some people by surprise, but I think it's really developing gratitude for who we are and what we've learned. None of us have wanted to go through so much of what life has offered up, but it has shaped us, mm-hmm. and it has shaped us into who we are. It has shaped us with the outlook we have, and we can be grateful for that. And when we are grateful for who we are, that takes some of the sting away from how we got there. Oh, I love that, because it really does. I mean, that's that's you actually looking at the strength of you instead of the weakness of your trial. You're looking at the strength that's of right. how great you are. That's right. And I think that is a glory that each of us have that, you know, we, you know, if you want to think that's the divine in us. Right. And uh, that is something that we need to really hold and hold, you know, very um, deeply and sincerely. And when we have gratitude for who we are, and I, you know, one of the suggestions I have for people is that every day, you know, they become grateful for something that they haven't been grateful for before. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. To find something new to be grateful for um, and to have themselves on that list. Um, I think that is the key. I love to that. really developing resilience. So. Well, and interesting, it's full circle, too, because you're, yeah. you're, you're just asking them to become conscious of what they should be grateful for, something they haven't seen, which is exactly where you started, is to become conscious of, you know, you're in a trial. You're just talking about consciousness. Just become present in your life. Present and helpful. Present and helpful, exactly. (laughs) And yeah, and with appreciative approach in the healthy or the helpful side with results. Yeah, love it, Doctor Patricia O'Gorman. Thank you so much for joining us. Really, thank you so much. It's been a delight, Matt. Thank you bet, and and we're gonna. I am gonna have you back. We're gonna just go pretty much down the all of your books you've ever written and have you on for every one of those. <laughs> that would be fun. 
fun. I would love it. And we'll have Merritt, our, our producer, call you on that. Um, but everybody else, go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Go check out her book, The Resilient Woman, Dr. Patricia O'Gorman. I mean, really, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lift your life. And, hey, might even make you more resilient. Thanks again. We're going to take a break. And uh, we'll thank be. You, Matt. Take care. Thank you, Patricia. Appreciate you. We'll be back uh, after this break, wrap up the show, give you a few more ideas, hopefully a little motivation as well to keep, uh, to keep growing in the midst of the trials, the turmoil. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Some people have dedicated their entire lives to a single topic. Anything from philosophy to sociology to the arts. Join us on Thinking Aloud as we condense the expertise of lifelong learners to a simple 30-minute dip into their perspective. You've never seen a thought pool this deep. Dive in with host Marcus Smith on Thinking Aloud. Wednesdays at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 11 Mountain, here on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. BYU All-American quarterback, Robbie Bosco. We were playing at the University of Pittsburgh. It was my first collegiate football game, and I was so nervous. I wasn't even sure if I should be the quarterback or not. My first three passes were incomplete. The first pass I threw was about 20 feet over the receiver's head. I couldn't believe I threw it like that. And then my next two passes were just, weren't even close to being completed. As I was walking off the field, Coach Edwards was walking towards me, and I thought, oh boy, this is the end. He's going to yank me, and he's going to tell me that they're going to let another guy come in and see what he can do. But he came over, put his hands on my shoulder, told me to relax, told me that I was their guy, and not to worry about anything else, just go out there and play. Having him believe in me changed my life. Chances are the relationships that changed your life started at BYU. Share your story at alumni.byu.edu slash update. Remember when, remember why. BYU alumni connected for good. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping up our topic today of be, becoming more resilient. And a, an excellent uh, guest there with Patricia O'Gorman and her book, The Resilient Woman. Now, you know, trials, they're not going away. And our own Bryce, our own Bryce Tobin's had a trial or two in his life, haven't you, Bryce? Just two. Just two. Just two. Just two. Really? So when I said a trial or two. Very accurate. Like literally you've had two. Just two, yeah. Did you want to bring the two up, or do you want to just kind of let those float for a bit? Oh, no, don't worry. I have them covered. Are they in this bit? Oh, they most certainly are. Well, let's just do this then. Bryce has some thoughts about auto accidents and our families that he would just love to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce's right. Since becoming a driver, I have never been in a car wreck. Okay, that's not 100% true, but I've never caused an accident. My car has been hit before, but never on the road. In fact, I've only ever been hit in parking lots. I have two auto damage claims to my name. The first one was in high school. I was arriving and finding a place to park, while one guy driving an expensive foreign car made entirely of fiberglass that his parents didn't have the good sense enough not to buy for a teenager. He decided it would be a great idea to pound on the accelerator without looking back. You know the type. 
And suddenly there I was. Thankfully my car was made of steel and all his car really did was make mine angry. The second was the embarrassing normal scenario where the person forgot to put their car in reverse and instead of backing out of their parking stall, they drove into my vehicle. Rather than be annoyed, there was a lot of sympathy for this guy. But this situation got me acquainted with the bumper. A simple but practical piece of engineering. The damage was superficial and the two shocks the bumper was attached to were poking out. Ironically, this means it was a minor collision. The bumper was ruined, but if the shocks were sticking out, it means you shouldn't have to worry. If the shocks were busted, it means that you had a really hard hit. The bumper sits on these two small shocks. You see, the shocks are only two small points, and if something were to miss them, vital parts of my car would be vulnerable. So instead of covering the car in these little shock points, they add the bumper to make sure the shocks take the damage even when the hit isn't close to the shocks. And I don't know about you guys, but I smell a forced metaphor coming on. When we talk about resilience, I think we're sometimes fundamentally talking about two separate ideas. Resilience isn't about beating a problem. It's not about winning. It's not about avoiding or redirecting challenges. Resilience is about survival. It's about understanding that things will go wrong eventually, and then being willing to keep your head above water while you keep your life afloat through the storm. And very much like my bumper, it's not about avoiding damage. If that were the case, they wouldn't call it a bumper. It's about taking hits the right way and hanging on to the most important parts of your life. I'd love to keep every piece of my life together, but much like those shocks behind the bumper, as long as those most important things are intact, I'm surviving. And that is what resilience encompasses. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. You did it again. What exactly did I do, Matt? You put together a good metaphor. Forced. Forced metaphor. That was the, that was the word you used. I'm about to throw out a forced metaphor. And um, you were able to, because when we, when we said, hey, Bryce, we need, a, we need a rant. And you said, on what? And I think we actually said a bumper. <laughs> it made no sense. But I forced it, it. and it makes sense. Which is what it's about. It's about survival. You were surviving for your job. Yes. It wasn't kumbaya. You didn't necessarily want to have to do that that rant there, but you did it, and look how it turned out. It worked. It made it on air. Yeah. Well, we may (laughs) cut it out. We still have to. There's still. The replay is not finished yet. You're good, and you're resilient. Let's talk about your other problem. You have two. You said you had two problems. One was the accident. Oh, I was going to say there's two accidents in there. Those were the two problems. But what's my oh. other problem, Matt? That's Oh. Well, no, your mom didn't tell you. Oh, no. What didn't she tell me? Probably a good time to bring it up. Should we bring it up? Yeah. You need to call home. Okay. <sighs> they need you to come move back in. Yeah, no, that's not happening. They They really need you at home. They need the pool cleaned. There's no pool. Gotcha. <laughs> <Okay>. Gotcha. <laughs> Did your parents not have a pool? Uh, used to. I think that was what different was. house. Yeah. Okay, different house. Just checking. Well, good to have you. And um, did you learn? Did you all learn something today about resilience? Sky, you didn't, did you? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to share it? I mean, you sat there the whole time. <laughs> um. No, I don't want to share. It. <laughs> it's very personal. <laughs> it's very personal. I understand you don't want to share it. So let's just go to the person that actually <laughs> listens to my show, Merritt. I do listen to your show. I know. You were taking yeah. notes. I, I did even take notes. You made a list. What was the list? The list? Can I just, yeah. can I just point out how fast Bryce points. got out of here? Once yeah. he Bryce had a medical emergency. <laughs> <laughs> He's starting to go build some resiliency. What, uh, so you made, you've been putting together the list of what we've learned. I was putting together a list, yes. Let's hear it. What, what are they? Number one. Number one is have people around you that care. Yes. 
You, you need, need a, a good support system. Exactly. Love it. Totally agree. Number two is be conscious of trials and accept them as real. You can't just avoid them and yep. pretend they're not there and stick them in your closet. And you can't eat your way through them. Nope. I've tried. Okay. Number three is draw on past experiences and use them to solve present problems. Love it. Where has it worked in the past and what can you do today to, you know, to use those for today? Okay. Fourth is set up helpful boundaries. Helpful, not healthy. That was her word. Helpful. It has to serve you in some way. Produce results, folks. Good. What else? Six is to have family meetings or, in other words, to set a pattern of resiliency that you can show other people and that, so you can have that habit for yourself. You're going to cope with – and we call those family fights. A lot of people call them family meetings. We don't mean them to start as a fight, but ours always kind of end up that way. But that's not a resilient building thing. That's an unhelpful boundary. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. And then my last one was her last point, which I thought was absolutely great. Beautiful. Was be grateful. Be grateful for the trial. Be grateful for this moment. Yeah. You're never going to live life again. You might as well. Live the one you got. Yeah. In fact, that's what I wanted to talk about. Uh, What if we could, and by the way, the gratitude, and notice she kept mentioning consciousness kind of over and over. My word for that is be present. Most of us just aren't present. And if we're not present, um, we, we can't really deal with the trial we're in. So if all of a sudden you're thrust into a trial, it could be health, it could be mental health, it could be um, an emergency with a family member, it could be a loss of someone. When you're in the trial, it's too easy for us to just try to escape, as uh, we were talking about. Maybe what we could do, though, is remember that there's some major fruits that come when we can be present in our own trials and adversity. First fruit, by the way, is the fact that we become mutual. We become connected. So we become connected as, as, as friends and as family. I had a son that every time my neighbor would go mow the lawn, he'd run to the window and he would yell, Barsh, Barsh, Barsh mower, Barsh. Okay, Barsh, the neighbor's name was Barry. But my son couldn't pronounce, he was 16. And um, no, he, my, he was a young kid. He was young, he was a baby. But he'd say Barsh and he would, he would actually want me I used to get mad because I thought he wanted me to go mow the lawn. He didn't want me to go mow the lawn. He just wanted me to share with him that we were looking at Barry mow the lawn. He was calling me over, and I could go sit by him, and we just watched the neighbor mow the lawn, his, his lawn. And it was bonding. So one of the benefits of being present in our world, even if there are trials, is it brings us together, okay? Another benefit is that it builds trust. When we actually see that the people around us aren't freaking out and aren't um, and aren't dying and aren't getting mad at us because of this trial they're going through, if all of a sudden we see that they're succeeding, it, it builds some trust between us. I trust that you can handle the tri- trial. You trust that I can um, that I can be there and be present for you. It builds understanding when we sit together like we have over the last week and seen the trials going on in Boston. And in Connecticut with the, sh- the shooting there and in Texas, it builds a unity of understanding between all of us if we're all present in this trial, trying to share it with each other. It also builds some shared feelings. There's this crazy thing in my field called attunement. And attunement basically says if I sit down with somebody that's struggling and I'm present in their struggle and I watch them go through it, my body will actually attune to their body. If I pay attention to them, my body will see the pain they're going through. It's empathy. It's where empathy comes from. It's where compassion is born. So if you want to share feelings with people around you, 
um, we have to be present and actually be in that space with them. And then that gives me the compassion to be able to handle and deal with life. And then last but not least, and this is what we were talking about earlier, is the growth. These trials can bring growth. And uh, again, it's easy for us to say that aren't going through the major trials we've seen in the news, but every one of us are heading through some personal form of trial. I'm going to leave you with one final quote by Helen Keller. This is a really profound thing I just learned from her. Security, she says, is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure to it. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. So according to Helen Keller, who, remember, had her own world of affliction and and problems and issues, um, she taught that security is mostly a superstition. Maybe what we ought to do in this world is quit looking to be to have security and start looking to just in, experience life and learn what we can from it. Uh, instead of begging and demanding that we have security and if, even avoiding reality if we're not going to get it, what if we could start finding some principles or peace in a concept like gratitude, as we learned earlier? That's your lesson for the day. Thanks for listening, folks, to the Matt Townsend Show. We love doing this with you and giving you some tools. We're learning just as much as we go along. Join us again tomorrow. We'll have more ideas for you to give you a leg up in this crazy thing we call life. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.